Welcome to episode 103 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Bilo, and I am truly delighted to be spending this time with you today. Whether this is your first or your 103rd episode, I hope you hear something that will make you smile, spark an insight, improve your business, and maybe even change your life. In the last episode, episode 102, with my interview with Alex Honeyset, we talked about how to craft your message so that you are able to communicate with clarity and impact. We touched on how to communicate with the media, and in this episode, we take a deeper dive into what it takes to get the attention of the media. For instance, why do some people become go-to resources, even if they're one of dozens or even hundreds of experts who have similar knowledge? That's one of the points that we're going to be addressing. Before we get into the conversation, I'll bottom line quickly what my own experience with the media has been. Once I put my stake in the ground back in 2010 as the introvert entrepreneur, it made it easy for reporters and writers to find me. That, in my opinion, seems like it's half the work, being found. At least as an introvert, I prefer to be found rather than always having to be pitching my message. A clear niche helps you to cut through the noise and be found, which minimizes the amount of listen to me shouting that goes on in most businesses. And once I was found by a few people, I started to be found and trusted by more. Some of the best practices that I do are that I always reply as soon as possible after I receive a query. I provide the reporter with more information than he or she could use. I really try to tailor my remarks to their request rather than having generic talking points. And I make myself available for follow-up. I thank them for using me as a resource and request that they keep me on their list of sources for future stories. Sometimes, if appropriate, I'll recommend a colleague who might be a good source for the piece they're working on or for a future story. Oh, and I'm sure to share the story with my networks on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and include a tag or a mention of the journalist and the publication. You know, you have to remember that you are not the only person who likes to see your name in print or on the screen. Reporters want to have their work shared, and it looks good to their editors if it ends up getting shared a lot on social media. So do your part with that. If you want more introvert-friendly media tips, in addition to this podcast, you can pick up the enhanced ebook version of my book, The Introvert Entrepreneur. For that enhanced version, I prepared two exclusive audio interviews, including one with Pete, who we're going to be hearing in this episode, in which we offer even more tips on standing out in the media space. The other interview is with Debbie Page Whitlock, financial advisor and business coach extraordinaire. In addition, I share one of my favorite archived podcasts, a conversation with Anne Axford about being an HSP or a highly sensitive person. You can find the enhanced ebook option through amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, or wherever ebooks are sold. So let's move on now to my conversation with Pete. Pete Walter is the founder of DealWithTheMedia.com, a site set up to help entrepreneurs and small business owners harness the power of getting featured in the media. His background is as a television producer, and he has made programs for the BBC and MTV, as well as providing media training to executives at major companies like HSBC. Hi, Peter. Welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. It's a pleasure to be connecting with you today. 
Hey, Beth, how's it going? It's great. It's great. So I, I'm wondering, what's making you smile today? Well, it's incredibly sunny and bright here in London, which makes a change mm-hmm. from the sort of uh, Hollywood um, version of London, which is always incredibly rainy and cold and grey. Yeah. So um, everybody seems to have a smile on their face, which is uh, nice. And um, yeah, it's just good to be alive, as they say. Awesome. Yeah, I think we have London weather here today because we oh, have fog cool. and rain and gray. <laughs> yeah. so. Sounds familiar. Yes, Sounds I know. Familiar. Yeah. So, so just to give our listeners some context um, as we move forward with our questions and talk about the media, um, where do you consider yourself to fall on the introvert and extrovert spectrum? And how has that awareness influenced you as an entrepreneur? Well, I think I'm definitely an introvert, naturally. Um, but uh, my family, and me included, have a sort of history of being quite introverted uh, people. But we have a kind of ability to turn on an extrovert version of ourselves mm-hmm. when it mm-hmm. comes to the crunch. And that seems to come very naturally. Uh, my mm-hmm. sister's an actress. My father was a political reporter um, for many years. Mm-hmm. And um, so had to be in front of a camera and a microphone on a regular basis. And I've been um, a sort of wannabe rock star in the past <laughs> and um, sort of did a tour of the UK and, and things like that and sort of fronted bands. And I've done plenty of public speaking and things like that. But things like picking up the phone to make a sales call and mm. activities that are unfortunately pretty regular (laughs) occurrences when you start your own business um, are a struggle for me. And sometimes Mm -hmm. um, I I sort of am one of the quieter people in a group and uh, could come across as quite a shy person, I suppose. So there's sort of that kind of hybrid personality, um, Mm -hmm. which seems to feature quite strongly in in the Walter gene. Um, but, um, <laughs> Passed down from generation to generation. Yeah, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, well, isn't that interesting that I think a lot of introverts, especially those who are called to be like on the stage or in front of a microphone or in front of a camera, there is that tension that, you know, in some ways that's so much easier than some of the smaller social things, even going to a networking event or picking up the phone or they are less comfortable than getting up in front of a thousand people. <laughs> it's, it's really yeah. odd in some ways. It is quite odd, but... Um... Yeah, it just seems to come very naturally, um, all of that stuff to me. I don't really have a problem with it, but um, maybe it was dropped in the magic potion as a baby or something. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, that's lucky. And I want to ask you a quick question about um, culture, because one of the things that often comes up in presentations I give or in conversations is like, uh, you know, like people have personalities and different energies and can lean introvert, extrovert, but so do cultures. And we always talk about the United States in particular being a very extroverted culture. And I've heard anecdotally that the UK um, and Great Britain, you know, tend to lean more on the introverted side. Do you have any thoughts or observations about that? Yeah, I think that... um Naturally, we are quite introverted. We don't like to cause a fuss or, um, you know, uh, we like to be seen but not heard, I suppose, is a, is a sort of classic cliche of our cultural heritage um, from mm-hmm. the Victorian era, which we're still very much um, influenced by um, in mm-hmm. some ways. The UK. 
I think that we're moving on from that um, and have been influenced by American ways of doing things um, with uh, plenty of American culture featuring in the UK for many years now and many American corporations um, mm. in the UK and kind of showing the way of the management culture and the corporate culture that, that we've learned quite a lot from. Um, and also, you know, we're an incredibly diverse society over here now. Yeah. Um, I, I live in an area of London which has exactly the same proportion of religions as there mm -hmm. are in the rest of the world. So wow. um, <laughs> it's incredibly That's diverse. Amazing. And all of those cultures coming together has definitely changed the atmosphere, definitely for the better. Mm -hmm. um, but in the terms of the media, that's certainly something that you need to keep a close eye on if ever you do any media appearances in other parts of the world, which I hear might be the case for you with your yeah. <laughs> uh, with your book. I'll come in, plug, yes, plug, plug. yes, thank and, you. And um, <laughs> I think, you know, there's parts of the world where, for example, in the Middle East, you can do an interview and they will ask you at the beginning of the interview, what questions would you like to be asked? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, which mm -hmm. is a, a fantastic free hit um, for anybody yes. that wants to get some publicity in the Middle East. But um, you definitely won't get such an easy ride in the UK, uh, where our journalists are more on the aggressive side. Um, mm. And I just think that's the same in uh, the US and yeah. well, every Western Europe uh, as well the western world as well um so um you know uh, that's something to bear in mind whenever you're speaking to the media in other countries if you're ever lucky enough to do so yeah that's a great point and i don't know that i fully appreciated that that um culturally you know if you want to have a global presence especially in the media that it's it might be important to understand what the norms are so that you're not caught off guard <laughs> you know you want to set yourself up for success so i'm so glad you you brought that into it Yes. Um, you know, as I looked at your information and services, you know, as I said in the introduction, um, your company is called Deal with the Media. And as I was looking at things, I thought that expression that is often um, morphed into different uses, traditional media is dead, long live traditional media, um, <laughs> because it does seem like all of the emphasis is on social and online media. But you make a strong case that we ignore traditional media at our peril. So how first, you know, let's define traditional media and then why should entrepreneurs include it as part of their publicity and marketing strategy? Well, this is constantly um, morphing definition. What is the media and what the media means to me? I sort of don't want to put the word traditional too strongly on it mm -hmm. um, because all quote unquote traditional media is becoming more and more sort of modern and contemporary all the time. So um, to call it traditional makes it sound rather old fashioned, whereas I don't mm -hmm. think it really is. But I think there will always be a place for experts and professional journalists to produce content that other people consider to be of a high enough level that they are willing in some way to pay for, either by viewing adverts or by actually um, getting out their uh, bank card or checkbook. Well, that is a traditional thing. A checkbook probably wouldn't be the way that you pay for it in the future. Uh, let's face it. Um, unless it was back got in a time machine, went back to the 80s. Yeah. But um, I think that um, the, the media that I'm talking about in terms of dealing with the media is media created 
for a large audience, um, certainly a larger audience than you're capable of reaching on your day-to-day basis via your email list or your social networks, mm-hmm. and is created at a level um, that would be considered professional to some degree. I mean, it might be a, uh, an actual professional or a semi-professional, someone who sort of blogs and earns some income for that. But it's basically going through some kind of media platform that broadcasts to an audience uh, which is significantly larger than you're able to get to yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's I love that because, and I appreciate you, you know, clarifying that traditional piece because it, it's just like uh, the difference between entrepreneurship and working in a corporate environment. You know, uh, mm-hmm. it's um, we think of corporate as being mainstream and entrepreneur being on the fringes, but that's rapidly shifting. And yeah. um, and so, how can you start to define it in a different way? And so, what I'm hearing is the number of people you're able to reach, and to some degree, the professionalism of the source. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just to finish your question, I realized I yeah. haven't answered it fully. <laughs> well, <laughs> I jumped in, so. <laughs> no, 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 you didn't. I, I'd sort of uh, ground to a halt, so I'm glad you did. Um, why is that important? Well, there's the obvious thing that obviously it extends your reach um, mm-hmm. massively, uh, potentially. Um, and what I like to talk about is the etymology of the word broadcast, where it came from. Hmm. And uh, back in the days when they just invented radio, they didn't have a word for this thing that they were doing. Um, mm-hmm. So they had to get it from somewhere else in the English language. And the word broadcast actually came from farming. And it was when a farmer cast his seed uh, across a wide area of his land or his fields, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to narrow casting when he just put his mm-hmm. seed in small areas where he knew it would be guaranteed to grow. So what I really encourage everyone out there to do is to make sure that you broadcast as well as narrow cast. And what mm-hmm. I see plenty of entrepreneurs doing these days is just narrow casting, um, i.e. using their own social networks and um, their own email lists to send messages out, mm-hmm. which is great. But um, if you really want to be a successful entrepreneur and farmer (laughs) you really (laughs) need to um broadcast as well as narrowcast i think because by broadcasting you uncover new areas uh that you can narrowcast to so um that's the sort of basic message of why it's important to involve the media also it brings you know huge credibility to you which you can use in all sorts of situations you become when quoted in a, in a major newspaper or a, a big broadcaster, if you're quoted as an expert um, in that media platform, that instantly makes you an expert in the eyes of not only everybody that reads it or sees that piece, but also anybody who's ever heard of that broadcast platform, which mm-hmm. is pretty much everyone. Um, so it lends you huge credibility if you're ever pitching to anybody or when anybody lands on your website, if you go to my website, dealwiththemedia.com, you'll see that I have all the media platforms that I've been featured on right there when you arrive to give the credibility that I've been, you know, sort of walking the walk and have, have found all these um, these media outlets that I can broadcast through myself. So um, I think sort of extending your reach and adding credibility are the two main pillars of success that you can get from dealing with the media. 
Yeah. Well, I want to dig in a little bit on what you said about the narrow casting, just a little bit, but but actually it's not even narrow casting. It's more about how narrowly someone has cast themselves, maybe. <laughs> um, right. Because it, it seems like those who have a really specific niche or who happen to be aligned with something that's happening in popular culture tend to have an advantage when it comes to the media. Like they become the expert a little bit more quickly and easily. Yet somehow we know there are certain, you know, like the general life coach or a financial advisor, a lawyer, a doctor, consultant, you know, everyday normal people who don't seem to have a specific niche, um, but they still become a go-to person for the media. Um, mm. And I would guess that that probably describes more people than it does the really specific niche or that you just happen to be in the right place at the right time. So what advice would you have for listeners who maybe fall in that um, everyday normal people who want to become that go-to person? Yeah, I would say, well, as you quite rightly pointed out, there's there's probably more opportunities for you going forward um, to become the go-to person in that broader niche. Um, mm -hmm. And the exciting thing is that it can really, really transform uh, your business if you are able to become that person. Um, it's incredibly fortunate for a producer of television or a radio producer or even uh, a journalist at a newspaper if you have someone that you know that you can rely on a hundred percent to turn up um, at short notice and also mm -hmm. give you fantastic copy or a fantastic interview and bring something kind of new to the table um, every time it's very difficult to find people like that to find those people who you can rely on and so if you can become that person for a journalist uh, or a TV producer or a radio producer, that gives you a huge amount of constant opportunities to appear on the media. So you really become that by, first of all, getting your foot in the door and uh, getting one story that gets you into the news. But once you're in there, you really need to keep developing the relationships with the journalists or producers that put you there in the first place mm. but crucially you need to be a fantastic media performer and that's the harder <laughs> bit mm -hmm. um, which not everybody has but um, it's something that you can absolutely develop and I truly believe that anybody can become one if you have enough practice some people are much much more natural at it than others mm -hmm. but if you keep on going and keep on practicing which you can do at home very easily by having someone interview you and then watching yourself back if you record it on a on a phone or on a video camera and kind of seeing where you look natural where you look more um, enthusiastic um, and things like that and just try and get into the sort of the mindset of giving quick snappy informative answers that are going to excite an audience at home then you can sort of get closer to becoming the, the sort of superb media performer that when it's your chance to get in front of a TV camera or a radio microphone or a journalist's tape recorder, mm -hmm. you can give a fantastic performance and get asked back again and again and again and again. So um, there's, it's a huge opportunity uh, for anyone to get into that space. And I'd very much encourage everybody to to try or if you don't want to do it and you're in a company with more than one person, make sure there's someone in that company that can fulfill that role. 
Yeah. And, you know, there are different resources out there that are available now that, you know, if you keep watching for that opportunity, it will eventually come up. So what I hear is, you know, you're preparing yourself because probably what differentiates some of those folks, it's not so much that they have this really unique message, but as you're saying, they are prepared, they're polished, they're professional, they're um, reliable, they offer, you know, fabulous content. It might not be any different than the content that somebody else offers, but they have it packaged in a very confident way. Yeah. And and they're watching for those opportunities. Like I know you and I have talked about Harrow, the help a reporter out, um, yes. which is one thing that, you know, I recommend everyone subscribe to and take a look for that. You know, what are some other ways that you can keep your eyes open for those kinds of opportunities in the media? I think a very simple one is to have a, a Google alert for your, um, mm. your niche. Um, mm -hmm. It might be something that you're doing already, uh, but um, perhaps think about having a few more for a few different keywords around your niche, because the results that come through are normally news stories when they break. And so mm -hmm. that gives you the opportunity to then realize that something's happening and um, get on it. The other thing mm -hmm. is to watch Twitter. I mean, often and now Facebook also, they have what's trending. Mm -hmm. um, Twitter's a bit uh, easier to discover that. So if you keep an eye on the, the what's trending side of Twitter and see if anything in your niche pops up, again, you'll know that the, the journalists out there are going to be wanting to cover that pretty soon because that they'll react to that themselves. So those are two ways that you, you can keep on top of the news. The other way is to create some news yourself. And mm -hmm. um, that's a bit more kind of next level PR activity stuff. But um, if you're thinking of, you know, perhaps doing some kind of uh, publicity stunt or mm -hmm. maybe you've got some kind of big event coming up that you can get the, the media to cover. That's another way of, of getting some, um, some coverage and starting those relationships with journalists. So I just had a funny thought when you said that. <laughs> Imagine a publicity stunt for an introvert, you know, like, I'm going to go to the, yeah. you know, the middle of the town with a megaphone and start, you know, talking. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I guess that's not it's, it's going to be a bit of a stretch. But um, no, it's just it, go it to the middle of town with a megaphone and not talk and not talk. Yeah, <laughs> that's more unusual. Right. So uh, yeah. maybe, that, exactly. maybe that would be better. Yeah. And, and when I think of the what you were saying about, you know, watching the news, I think, you know, here in the United States. Now, this is not something I actually followed up on, which, you know, I offer this as an example of a missed opportunity that I think might have been good, which is, you know, we're going through an election cycle right now. And so there's yes. lots of news about the candidates and lots of people are trying to learn about them, not just politically, but personally. And one of our candidates, um, Jeb Bush, who is part of the, you know, Bush legacy, I guess. Um, yeah, he um, has been mentioned several times as being an introvert. And, you know, occasionally it's implied that that's holding him back. And so I thought, hmm, you know, what if I took that and pitched to, you know, like the Seattle Times or, you know, the local business paper or, or even, you know, larger than that and said, hey, I'm an expert in working with introverts. I, I want to pitch a story about, you know, how can Jeb Bush deal with his introversion or leverage his introversion on the campaign trail? You know, how can uh, he use it as, to his advantage? Is that the kind of thing you're talking about where you take something Absolutely. in the news? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. 
Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Um, has yeah. he been, has, has Donald Trump um, walked all <laughs> over him yet? Or is he, yes, yes. <laughs> he, so he, he is he out? <laughs> is Jeb Bush out of the running? I haven't I been following it. As I, as I don't I think so yet. <laughs> okay, as we speak. Yeah, as we, yes. For those in the future, they'll know who. They will know who it is, exactly. Yeah. And who knows? Because anything can happen in American politics. Um, well, it, it's not too late then, maybe. <laughs> no. I, mean, I do think if this, will, this comes up, I, I, I think that's a classic example of something where an entrepreneur can, can really use their own unique experience to, to get on the news. Because that would be something that a journalist would absolutely jump at. Um, yeah. If there's maybe going to be, I don't know, if there's going to be another debate or something, but mm-hmm. um, oh, you know, when when prepare for the debate, you know, yes, exactly, all of those sort of things. When there's going to be a ton of media hype around event, and some poor reporter is going to be stuck outside a convention center or something for about <laughs> twenty hours, having to give a hourly update into a camera, they'll be. Yeah crying out for um, someone like you to come and give a sort of interesting new spin on yeah. a t- story they've been talking about for, I mean, you know, how long has it been now? Oh, Almost months, a year. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so um, I remember uh, talking to, when I was a producer at the BBC News, talking to a, a reporter who was from CNN, the CNN London correspondent, and it was in the run-up to William and Kate's royal mm-hmm. wedding a few mm-hmm. years ago. He had to produce a daily report on the royal wedding for 40 <laughs> days in, oh the my up- gosh. in the run-up to the wedding. And he said, I've just come from the royal barracks where I was interviewing the guy who is nailing on the shoes for the horses that are going to be <laughs> halfway down the parade in the <laughs> royal wedding. And he'd really just totally run out of things to talk about and was wow. so desperate that he was, you know, chatting to this guy. And this guy was broadcast across the world. He became the most famous horseshoe guy that had ever lived. <laughs> yeah. So if That's you are awesome. in those situations where there's an endless kind of necessity to produce hours and hours of television or radio or, you know, feet and feet of uh, newspaper copy about a subject, as there is absolutely about the US presidential election. Yeah. then that's a golden opportunity for you to to get in there and offer your new, fresh, unique spin on it. So uh, I would very much encourage you to to, uh, to follow that up. Yeah, it's not too late. And and apparently Hillary Clinton is also an introvert. So I, I think she's going coming. to probably, yeah, they keep coming. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe an article about advice to Barack Obama and how to recharge himself as an introvert once his term is done. <laughs> Yeah, like he finally yeah, gets to relax. are everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Well, I want to. I, I don't like to dwell on the negative or bring up anything that is. Uh, well, it's just it's life, right? So, let's say that you've done all that work and you've gotten some press, or you're quoted in the news, but it turns out to not be very flattering, or it somehow misrepresents your position or business. What would you recommend that someone do in that kind of situation? Well. First things first, there's the old adage that all publicity is good publicity. Mm -hmm. To a certain extent, that is true. You know, if you can get some kind of notoriety around yourself, that's almost as good as getting some positive publicity. Um, The the example that um, I talk about often is Uber, who have got almost Mm -hmm. exclusively bad publicity for themselves since they started due to the fact that they annoy the local um, government and taxi firms in every single city they turn up in 
and they sort of undercut lots of people and things like that. But they absolutely go from strength to strength because everybody sees mm -hmm. that publicity thinks, oh, maybe I can um, get a cheap taxi and, um, and off they go. Um, yeah. One of the biggest companies in the world now. But um, so that's the first thing I'd say. Um, the second thing is, you know, uh, unfortunately, it's sort of it is out of your control. You don't have the uh, ability to control what a journalist is going to say about mm -hmm. your right about you. Um, you do have 100% control of what comes out of your mouth, however. <laughs> so, um, Really? Not always. Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> In a perfect world. Drinks had, I suppose. <laughs> I but, suppose. <laughs> But yeah, um, yeah, rule number one, don't get drunk before an interview. <laughs> um, but also, so when you're giving the interview, um, again, we haven't got to what you asked me about, but just to say, <laughs> make sure that you, you try and and always just keep the words that are coming out of your mouth under control and on mm -hmm. the message that you want to really convey. Yeah. Um, which a quick tip to do that is just to think of the, before you go into an interview, Think of the headline if it was a newspaper article that you would like to see above mm. the the piece that you are about to give, and always always concentrate on that headline and always drive all your answers towards it. That's just a quick little um, nice. extra bonus tip. But um, if you have got some bad press, um, the only thing you can do really is to talk to another journalist and see if you can. Uh, get them interested in sort of spinning the topic the other way. I think uh, an example, someone I was working with the other day had been on a show over here called Dragon's Den, which I think mm -hmm. is called Shark, Shark Tank, Tank in yeah. the US. Yes. And um, they had been turned down by the uh, panel of investors. But then because they had quite a unique uh, product, they were able to use that to go to a journalist and say, we've actually attracted some attention from other investors. And uh, this is why the dragons or the investors were wrong. And that mm -hmm. ended up mm -hmm. um, being uh, some sort of good publicity for them in another way, because the journalist was happy to write about, you know, we love it when people get things wrong. That's one of the sort of classic <laughs> rules of journalism. So yeah. uh, especially if someone famous gets something wrong, yes. even better. Um, so that was a good opportunity for them to, to sort of put right the bad publicity they would have got by being turned down on this show. Um, but it's not always possible, but you can kind of just try and put the opposite case out to as many journalists as you can and hopefully one of them will bite um but you know that that is the risk that you play when you deal with the media the important thing is to make sure that it doesn't happen in the first place and there are mm -hmm. various ways that you can give yourself the best possible chance of that happening but yeah. i i would finish this little section by just saying that particularly for entrepreneurs um, who have got a new product or service, 99.9% .9 of the time, your interactions with a journalist will be positive mm -hmm. because all they really want is new products and services to write about and they need people to give them interesting products and services to fulfill that obligation. Mm -hmm. So um, <laughs> just make sure that mm -hmm. you're a polite friendly, cooperative with a journalist. And I think it's extremely unlikely that you will get bad publicity. So yeah. um, don't worry about it. It's my main message, I think. 
Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. And and it seems it goes back to the、um, response you shared around entrepreneurs including it as part of their strategy and becoming that go-to person, which is the importance of just learning about. Media and then practicing, because if you practice, then when that opportunity comes, you're less likely to, you know, open mouth, insert foot, and、exactly. you know, come out right. And I will say, you know, from my own experience, I think the worst that's happened is the way they attributed a quote to me was wrong. Like they said, I was a career coach, and、right. I'm not a career coach. And so that taught me, okay, never send responses or an email without saying, here's my title, and that has helped clear that up tremendously. Because I think in the beginning, I just kind of didn't think about. That and if they didn't ask me, then all of a sudden it was in print, and I was like, "Oh, I felt lucky if it was right." <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah.、Um, so you yeah, know, it's like those tiny little things too. Yeah. In addition no, to the big, journalists are super busy people,、mm-hmm. and details don't always come out the way that you would hope them, and you can't really trust them to do any more research than you necessarily have put in front of them. So,、exactly. yeah, that's that's a very good point that you've made. Well, just a bottom line, you know, like a one takeaway for anybody who's listening, and they're really trying to get that first media mention. Because as we said, that first one really opens up the door to other ones. What do you feel like is the most important thing that somebody can do to position themselves to get that first media mention? I would say that doing something or saying something that is truly unusual or unique is a very good way to get started. And、um, if you ever are in the position where You are a credible expert on something, and you have totally the opposite view to every other expert who's out there and is talking about a current media story. That、mm-hmm. is a fantastic opportunity to get in there because you you will have noticed that on a lot of talk shows, on a lot of news now, they love the setup where two people basically have an argument, two experts have an、mm-hmm. argument against each other.、Mm-hmm. Now.、Um, If you can be one of those experts, that is going to make good television, good radio, and good copy in a newspaper,、mm-hmm. and the journalist will be very happy to speak to you. So、um, I think if there's one thing that you can constantly look out for: look for your unique take on a current news story, and, and then you should be able to get an opportunity on some level.、Um, and just to carry on from that briefly, sorry, I know you asked for one takeaway, but.、Um, <laughs> I think if you do get in any level of media, it can quite quickly snowball if you're saying the right message. So if you start even on a sort of very small local radio, that can be picked up, and you can find yourself on bigger and bigger platforms quite quickly. Yeah, and what you just said reminded me of that expression "soundbite," which is what we always were taught or heard. Like the media wants soundbites. Mm-hmm. And and I think for introverts especially, sound bites might be the equivalent of small talk. Like I think about a, a networking workshop that I just led, and everyone was kind of lamenting small talk or a short introduction. Like I can only say five words about myself when really、mm-hmm. we have you know a story to tell. And if we're given a platform, we will tell the story. <laughs> But a little frustration with having to basically sound bite everything. And what I Was trying to put out there was that we don't have to reveal everything. What we want to do is pique somebody's interest. You know, the soundbite, the short introduction. It doesn't have to tell the whole story. It just、yeah. needs to get their ears perked up. Absolutely. It, okay. Yeah. So you would say that that's worth spending time with. Like if yeah, I came、yeah. up with soundbite for the introvert entrepreneur message, I'm better positioned to kind of get、yeah. that foot in the door. For sure. I mean, if you think about the way that you consume media. 
and by you I mean everyone (laughs) it's you're usually driving in your car listening to the radio you're usually watching television and you know the family are around or your friends are around you might be double screening these days you know you're checking Mm -hmm. twitter while you're watching tv or the time has just gone in the kitchen to tell you that uh, dinner's ready and there's so many other things going on to actually cut through on television or radio and make someone listen and mm-hmm. fully concentrate, you do have to do these sort of soundbitey, peak their interest statements um, to get them listening. And then once you've got them listening, then the door's open. But uh, yeah. yeah, if you do just sort of ramble on incoherently, <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> you, well, A, you, you sort of probably be cut off quite quickly by the director and you won't get anybody interested. So it's definitely worth thinking of a few sound bites if you do ever get into the fortunate position of being asked to go on a big broadcast platform. Yeah, excellent. Great advice. Thank you. Well, I want to wrap up by asking you a question that I ask all of my guests. And that is, if you were granted a three-week vacation on Introvert Island and you could only take three books with you, what would you take with you and why? I'd love to go to Introvert Island. (laughs) Sounds very restful. Yes, I think we need um, to create it. <laughs> yes, um, but um, what three books would I take with me? Well, first of all, I'd take um, War and Peace just to say that I'd read it. So I think <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to get around to reading that book. And um, it would be it's sort of an ambition. It's a bit like running a marathon, I think. Um, mm-hmm. The second one, I'm a, a big geek about soccer tactics. And there's this book called Inverting the Pyramid by Jonathan Wilson, which um, goes into the history of the soccer tactics. Wow. I think that would, that would just give me pure bliss where I could just sit there and examine the formations of the various teams from over the years. Um, and the, the third one I've written down is Utopia by Thomas More, which is kind of a really fascinating book about a, a race on an island who have established the perfect uh, civilization. So mm-hmm. I think it would be a nice setting to sit on an island by myself and contemplate this perfect civilization all working in harmony and see if I could bring some of their working methods into my own life when I got off into island and back into the rest of the world. Yeah, the real world. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> well, Peter, how can people learn more about you and deal with the media? Um, very simply, if you just go to dealwiththemedia.com, there's a video with my large head uh, um, featuring <laughs> on the front page. And, very introverted uh, of you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know. Uh, it's my sort of extrovert side coming out, yes. I suppose, um, in front of a camera, which I was filming totally alone. So I suppose that is quite introverted of me. I um, didn't mm-hmm. have a crew around me to, to get embarrassed in front of. <laughs> and um, that sort of tells you uh, very, very quickly about uh, the site. And um, there's a button underneath that you can press if you want to learn more and go deeper. But uh, yeah, just head to dealwiththemedia.com or I'm active on twitter at pete underscore walter or feel free to shoot me an email at pete at dealwiththemedia.com if you ever need a quick word of advice about getting out there a bit more via the media fantastic well i think you've given us our marching orders we uh (laughs) we we know what to do and so um thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today it's been a great pleasure thank you very very much for having me In closing, it seems appropriate to share some wisdom from introvert entrepreneur Warren Buffett. He says, 
It takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. If you think about that, you'll do things differently. That really puts things into perspective, doesn't it? And certainly with the instant feedback machine that is social media, it's even more important than ever to think twice or even three or four times before saying or doing something that could spoil your reputation. And for help with that, I always love to refer people to my friend and colleague, Arden Kleiss of KleissEtiquette.com. Arden is an etiquette consultant, and she provides really smart advice on how not to ruin the positive reputation that you have worked so hard to earn. You'll find a link to her site in the program show notes at TheIntrovertEntrepreneur.com. In addition to that link and other goodies in the show notes, you'll also find information about the services I offer, including coaching, speaking, and strategy sessions for introvert entrepreneurs. You can go ahead and schedule a time to chat with me through my online calendar, or you can fill out a contact form and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Either way, it would be great to hear from you. A very special thank you to my podcast producer, Paul Messing, and my assistant, Naja, for preparing the podcast show notes. Reviews are really critical to helping the podcast to grow and reach more people, so I really appreciate your support and your consideration. And of course, please share this episode with your colleagues that you think would find it useful. This is Beth Bilo of The Introvert Entrepreneur, and until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job. Mm-hmm.